here we are again. Take your Bibles, please, and open them up to the book of John, chapter 16. And thank you for those that are looking in on this uh, this video and this uh, service here. We thank you. We appreciate that. And uh, again, have your writing material and stuff like that ready. We are going through uh, the Gospels. It's been a long time. We've been going through chronologically, trying to go through chronologically. We didn't start out that way, but it ended up going chronologically. And we've been for the last few months, we've been in the uh, upper room after the Last Supper. You have a tremendous amount of information. Uh, chapter 16 will be the last bit of information. Then 17 will be the prayer by the Lord Jesus. And then they'll go out to uh, Gethsemane. And then you know what happens at Gethsemane. You have the, uh, the time there and then the arrest and such. But um, So we're going to have a look at uh, some things here. We're going to have a word of prayer first. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for your grace now, Lord, and thank you for the Bible, which is the Word of God. And we pray, Lord, that... Um, and we just want to thank you, Lord, that we have the Bible. We have the Bible in our hands, and we can know what you've said, what you want us to know, Lord. And we just thank you and ask that you'll bless uh, this time right here, Lord, as we look into your Word, that these things be challenging and edifying, and helpful to us, Lord, cause us to look to you uh, more often, or whatever the whatever the situation, Lord. But we just thank you for this now, and just ask your your help and guidance. And thank you in Jesus' name, Amen. All right, we're gonna have a uh, just back up a little bit. As I said before, one of the um, laws of the teacher is repetition. You have to go over things, and you have to uh, look at. The things that we have been studying is our foundation for the next thing. I want to back up a little bit, and um, there's a couple things I want to mention. Uh, a couple things I did not touch on, I don't believe, in John chapter 15, verse 18, where it says, "If the world hates you, uh, ye know that it hated me before it hated you." Now, what uh, the Lord Jesus was telling the, the disciples was that. He was going away, but he's going to send the Comforter. And they were upset about this. Their hearts were troubled. But uh, because of his departure, he had to add, add this word about opposition. And they would face opposition because the Lord Jesus was the one that was taking all the opposition at this time, him being there, wasn't he? He took a lot of things from uh, uh, the opposition. In fact, they tried to stone him uh, and shut him down many times, didn't they? But uh, as long as he was present, there was no need for them to be persecuted. Okay? And he says that uh, um, they've hated me, they will hate you, and so on and so forth like that. But as long as he was present, there was no need for persecution because the persecution fell on him. Okay? But now he says, I'm going away, and the persecution is going to fall on you. But after his departure, he would send the Holy Spirit and the believers then would have to rely on the Holy Spirit for their help through those particular things. Okay, that's what's going on there. That's one of the, something for us to look back to and uh, to review there. Another one is we want to look at John chapter 16 and uh, verse 5. The Lord uh, tells them uh, quite often that he was going away and it was like they weren't understanding. But he says in verse 5 of chapter 16, but now... I go my way to him that sent me, and none of you asketh me, Whither goest thou? 
I, I wrote down a couple of verses here from earlier on and uh, um, wondered about it and just uh, I've been praying about asking the Lord about it back in chapter 13 verse 36 and particularly chapter 14 verse 5 um, the, uh, the statement at first appears to ignore the questions already asked by Peter in 13.16 you can look these up yourself and Thomas asked the question uh, uh, where are you going kind of thing didn't put it quite that way in John 14.5 but what the Lord Jesus meant by this statement right here was that the earlier quotations were prompted by their um, concern over being separated from him and not a real concern of what was taking place and where he was going. Now he had explained, uh, uh, he explained this to them uh, um, that they had not had a genuine interest in where he was going and such. But he explained to them about his return to the Father and they should have asked more um, intelligently, that's not the word, but you know what I mean, about the meaning of his destination. Okay, And John 16, verse 7, we see the Spirit of God being given, or when he comes, he says, he will minister. And there's two groups of people upon the earth, isn't there? God sees two groups of people. He doesn't see um, color, he doesn't see nationalities and stuff like that. He knows those things, but as far as he's concerned, that's not the right way to put it, but you know what I mean. God sees the saved and the unsaved, okay? There's those two groups, and as far as God's concerned, those two groups, there's no sitting on a fence in the middle. That's what I thought when I was, before I was saved, I thought, I'm fine and dandy, I'm just sitting there, you know, I sympathize with this side, and I see there's something wrong over here. He says, no, 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 you're, you're not there. You're sitting on the fence, that means you're not standing on the right place. But there's those two groups, and what he sees is the saved, those that have trusted in Jesus Christ, and those that have not. And we see here when the Spirit of God was given, he has, again, not the right way to say it, but two ministries or two aspects of his ministries here to two different groups. To the one group of people, to the unsaved, the Spirit of God would bring conviction. It says here that he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. And he's basically going to be talking to there, he's talking to the, um, the unsaved. Yes, he does reprove and convict the Christian of that as well. If a Christian falls into sin, certainly he will reprove them, convict them of that. But primarily here we're looking at um, the, uh, the ministry of the Spirit of God to the unsaved. He wants you to be saved. I mean, he wants the unsaved to be saved. God is not willing that any should perish. Amen? And that's the truth of it. That's what he says. So you have the Spirit of God working on people and working on We were singing a song. Was it a song we were singing or something about how long it took for the Lord? I forget what it was. But if you think about yourself, I don't know about you, but I must be awfully thick, I guess. I don't know. But the Lord worked on me for about 30 years. You know? And long did he plead with my soul. That's that's was the the, uh, the line in the, in the hymn, and God will plead, and you look back and think of all the times that He did that, all the times it was there. I remember one time when I was working for the railway, I had my foot broken, and really squashed bad. And I had to drive home. I had a big cast all the way up to my knee, and I had a little MG, 66 MG, uh, really nice little car, 
if it would stay running. And uh, I remember coming home and coming up the highway, and it sputtered and sputtered and stopped in the middle of the highway. Now, I wasn't in any shape to, I shouldn't have even been driving, but to get out and push a car off the road, and I stuck there. And I remember praying, Lord, I knew that it was a God in heaven, but I didn't. I did not believe and trusted in Christ. I knew about the about Jesus on the cross. I remember crying out, Lord, can you help me? I don't know what to do here. I tried the car again and it started. I mean, I tried to start it, it wouldn't go. And after I prayed, it went right, right, right away. Long did he plead with my soul. He's there. He's not far from every one of us. Doesn't the Bible say that? He's there. And he does things in our lives and does things to say, do you see, do you understand? That's me. He's knocking, he's knocking gentle, gently, and that still, small voice. And he's leading. Perhaps there's things happening. Maybe if you're listening to this and you've never trusted in the Lord Jesus, there's things happening in your life that God is doing, getting your attention, things like that. I talked about there. But, uh, you know. So the point was here that he, he uh, ministers to the unsaved and then to the, the saved, to the Christian, he, the Lord Jesus mentions to them that he's going to be the comforter. And I mentioned last week about the Spirit of God being the comforter. How many need comfort from time to time for this or that? Hey, life! We need comfort from life, eh? He's there for us. You know, I wonder sometimes if we did not ignore but neglect um, the presence of the Holy Spirit and we maybe focus on the Father, maybe the Son, and don't get me wrong, I don't know what, that's not the right way to say it, you know what I mean, these three are one, but the Spirit of God is right within us, maybe ask Him and maybe communicate with Him, you know, um, that's a good thing to do. That's, that's what, we, what we need to do. We need to look to the Lord. He is the comforter and He gives us comfort and He guides us and teaches us and so on and, and so forth. The Holy Spirit's ministry for this age to the believers and to the unbelievers. So we get down to, and we looked and we saw that He talked about in a number of times, I forget how many times He mentions in chapter 16, the first part of it that we covered, he says, these things, these things, one, two, three, four, there's about five, at least five times where he says, these things, these things are going to happen. He talks about persecution, about him going away. These things are going to come upon you. These things are going to be, uh, going to be present and such, but I'm going to send you. Nevertheless, no matter what happens, remember, I tell you the truth, it is expedient for you that I go away, for if I go not away, the comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you that we have God with us always. Amen? Amen. And then that wonderful thing, and it's absolutely a miracle in that God would save sinners such as we are, and He would forgive us of our sins. We would recognize them and recognize Christ as the Savior. God manifests in the flesh for our sins on the cross of Calvary, dying for us on the cross, buried and rising from the dead on the third day to show and prove that he did this and exactly what he said is true and it's all done and everything else that God would would um, would save our souls he had made a covenant in Luke chapter 20 I think it is 20 verse 22 I think Jesus Christ says a new covenant I make with you in my blood okay it's not like the old covenant if you do right if you follow all that I say 
then this and this will happen. He takes the whole thing upon himself. All you have to do is believe, accept Christ, and you're made a child of God, and you're one of His, and the Spirit of God comes and lives and dwells right in there. Ephesians 1.13. So we have these, uh, uh, these tremendous things that he said. We don't forget, nevertheless, the Spirit of God is with you. And we left off in book verse 11, and uh, verse 12, I have yet many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. Whether there was no time, because the time was running out, they had to get going, because it was a, a, uh, an appointment. The Lord Jesus had an appointment in the Garden of Gethsemane, didn't he? Or was it, probably was more likely that the um, disciples couldn't handle that at this time. Do you find sometimes that uh, if so much information comes your way, maybe so many things to do in a day, and it's overwhelming. How many ever experiences? Yeah, everybody experiences that from time to time. Maybe they just couldn't handle anymore with the thought of, he's talking about persecutions and stuff, he's talking about the difficulties, but him going away, but they should be rejoicing that the Spirit of God is with, and we forget that sometimes. He says, but, uh, but we see there, we see, if that's the case, we see his... Uh, care of the disciples and he says I have, I have a lot more I want I need to tell you but I'm not going to tell you right now you, you can't bear it right now boy that's compassion that's our God that's his kindness and his gentleness and his compassion for us as individuals eh? he knows what you can take he knows what you can uh, handle oh uh, there's a verse in Corinthians 1 Corinthians I always get this mixed up I think it's chapter 13 verse 10 I don't know what it is uh, it's about uh, um, God limits the amount of temptation that comes our way. Since God does not tempt anybody, but uh, wish I could, wish I could uh, think of exactly what it was. Anyway, I have to forget that right now. Um, verse 13, Howbeit he, when the Spirit of truth has come, the Spirit of truth. We have in the world today the Spirit of error. We are seeing in our lifetime around us the world is being overrun by the spirit of error. The things that oppose God and oppose the Bible are being brought forth and, the, and they're trying to protect those things in our society today. And never mind the things of God. God, the things of God are diminishing to society, aren't they? Yeah. But he says the spirit of truth, that's the Holy Spirit. It's interesting to note when the Lord Jesus, back in chapter 14, verse 6, it says, he, the Lord Jesus himself says, I am the way the truth, and the life. Okay, I'm the way, the way to heaven. How do I get there? It's through Jesus Christ. He's the way. He's the pathway. He is the way, and he's the truth. What is truth? People search for truth. We had some people one time want to come to church. So we talked with them for hours and hours and hours. We, wanted, we just want to know the truth. We just want the truth. And we told them some things and the truth about things, and we never saw them. I just never saw them. They never came. They didn't want to have the kind of truth that we were talking about. Their, their, their truth was truth as they thought it was. Mm -hmm. Okay, But it has to be truth according to this Bible right here. The Spirit of God who lives inside of you is called the Spirit of Truth. He's the one that gave the Scriptures. Isn't that right? He moved upon the prophets. He moved upon the uh, disciples or uh, uh, apostles to write certain things down. He, he superintended it, watched over it, that 
that the things that he wanted written down were written down. Yes, they had uh, the individual wrote down. You can see the individual's uh, uh, characters and such in that, but God superintended it. And we have here the book of truth. That's what this is. Okay. Albeit when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. So it makes me wonder sometimes what's going on in Christianity sometimes if you have, as we heard this morning, we had some people were talking about, um, um, as we talked about Jesus being, and they said in, in hell, uh, after he died and his spirit went to hell and all this stuff. And there's a tremendous, tremendous uh, amount of, uh, um, what's the word, lack of understanding there. How come people don't understand these things? If, if not if, that the Bible is the book of truth, the spirit of God's the spirit of truth, and he's going to guide you into it. Somebody's not being guided into the, spirit, into the truth by the spirit of God to come up with some crazy, crazy ideas, eh? The spirit of truth will guide you into all truth. And I wonder, I wonder sometimes, there are so many things in Christianity, so many doctrines and things that there's such, well, one person believes this, somebody believes this, and somebody believes this end, and somebody believes this end and such. It can't all be right. They're not all right. There is one truth, isn't there? Mm -hmm. Why are people not looking to the spirit of God? Personally, I think that we rely too much on man and man's books and stuff like that. And people read that. That's the easy way out. You don't have to study it yourself. You know, studying the Bible takes a bit of work, eh? You're not going to get things in five or ten minutes. It might take a lifetime, you know, of studying through it and such to get some answers or whatever. Howbeit, when he, the spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth, or he shall not speak of himself. That word of right there has the idea... It doesn't mean I'm not going to speak about myself. It means from. That's the idea there. He's not going to speak from himself. He's going to speak as God the Father, as the, as, as the Son Jesus Christ uh, um, shows him, tells him. Which, there we get into that whole thing again where the, the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, is the Spirit of Christ. Okay? Mm -hmm. Don't forget that. These three are one. It's not these th three are three. It's these three are one. But he will not speak himself. But whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. He shall glorify me. The Spirit of God will glorify Jesus Christ. He will not glorify himself. Is that a safe thing for me to say? Is that correct? Did I say that correctly? If I take that, what that says literally right there, he shall glorify me. You have, uh, um, out there, there are denominations that they... They focus on the Holy Spirit and stuff like that. So everything is the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit. Well, you're wrong. You're not listening to the Spirit of Truth. You're not listening to the Holy Spirit. He will point you to Jesus Christ. Okay? If Jesus Christ Himself is not the center and everything of everything, then there's something wrong here. Not that there's any kind of um, competition in the Godhead. There certainly is not. Okay? I'm just wondering about that. Um, I remember we were at a place one time, I think we were down in Pennsylvania, and uh, we, we were staying overnight in this place, and we were talking to the people that run it, and they, it was a little bit of a, there was a, something wrong, kind of a gap between us. It was like, you know, <coughs> we're Baptists, and well, they were Pentecostals. And 
and the lady said, yeah, you focus on Jesus, and we focus on the Holy Spirit. And I think that's where the problem is. Um, I think that's what the Lord Jesus is saying here, that the Spirit of God will glorify Christ. Okay. Anyways, I'm just rambling. For he shall receive of mine, and shall show it unto you. That word show means to declare, to announce. Okay. All things that the Father hath are mine, therefore said I that he, sh that he shall take of mine and shall show it unto you. Now, in verse 16, the Lord Jesus mentions a thing here, uh, another little phrase, another little thing, and it's, it's noteworthy when we see these things. We see five times he says these things, and earlier on it was, you could, you could pick out those groupings. And here, um, he starts on with a different one in verse 16. You see it says, a little while, okay? Seven times he says that, a little while, a little while, a little while, a little while. Seven times. It's where we get our word micro. This is a, called a micron. You know, you know what a microscope is? So that means small, very small. Seeing things very, very small. A little while, and you shall not see me. He's trying to get this across to them. It's going to be just a little while until you'll see me again. He's going to go to the cross. Could you imagine being there? after being with the Lord Jesus for three years, three and a half years, whatever it was, and seeing him and all the things he did and things he taught and such, and, and the relationship you have with him, and just, oh, just the, the love that he has for you, and, and, and back, and, and then he's going to go to the cross, and they don't quite understand what's going on. He's going to go away from them. But I'm coming back, okay? He's going to be raised from the dead, but then he's going to ascend up to heaven. He's going to send the Spirit. He says, but I'll not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. And so we have the Spirit of Christ, the Spirit of God given to us. It's just a little while. And we stop and think about it and look at that, those words, a little while. We're only here for a little while, aren't we? What does it say? In, is it James chapter 5? About uh, uh, for what is your life? It is even a vapor, which appears for a little time and vanishes away. Okay. We look back on it. We need, to, uh, we need to keep that in mind. We're only here for a short time and all eternity, and we can't grasp that with our uh, finite minds, what eternity is like. It's just there's no time. It's just forever. We like to put a time on, well, how many years is that? Well, there is no years to put to it. It's forever. We are here for just a little, a little while, that little micro, that micron, little wee time. God sees the, the beginning from the end and everything else. He sees our lives from the time we're born to the time we die and everything. He knows all about us and everything. And it's just a short, short little time. So many people are heaping up for themselves things for their uh, uh, retirement. That's not wrong. That's fine and dandy. And uh, uh, thinking about what they're going to do in their lives and so on and so forth and how they're going to live in their old age or whatever. But what about after that? What about after that? Yes, you're going to live. You're going to live forever. The Bible tells us that we're going to live forever. God made us as three-part beings, body, soul, and spirit. The body's going to die and go into the ground. And your spirit is going to live somewhere, either in heaven or either in hell. And from hell you'll be judged and cast in the lake of fire. Something to think about that little while. And uh, our lives are just a short little time. How many can think back? and what, what's, what's the earliest recollection you have of yourself, uh, awareness of yourself? 
I can think back to when I was about like two and a half or three or something like that. Is that anybody else think? Can you remember when you were that little? Yeah. Do you remember when you were ten or twelve? Remember when you were, remember when you were twenty? Remember when you were really young? You were forty. <laughs> but he says to them, a little while, and you shall, and you shall not see me. But a little while, and just a little while, and you shall see me, because I go to the Father. And he's telling them, I believe he's talking there about the cross, the burial, and the resurrection. He's going to see me. Then said some, some of his disciples among themselves, What is this that he saith unto us, a little while, and you shall not see me? And again, a little while, and you shall see me, and because I go to the Father. Big question mark there. They're not understanding uh, what, what he's talking about. But the Lord wants us to understand the things that he's talking about. He wants us to understand what he's planning and so on and so forth. They said, therefore, what is this that he saith a little while? We cannot tell what he saith. In verse 19, do the first word, now. Just a minute, now, because of all this, now Jesus knew. <laughs> he just loved that. He just loved that. Now how could he know if he wasn't God? God knows everything about everything. Amen? Amen. He knows the thoughts that you have right now, what you're thinking right now. That's a little scary sometimes, isn't it? When you stop and think about it, when our minds wander or we think about things we should not. He hears it. He's right there. For Christians, he's right inside. He hears it just as clear as you hear it. He's right there. Whoa, that's pretty scary stuff, eh? The God Almighty, the God who made all things, he's in there. And I had thoughts like that. Isn't it a good thing where he says, if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, and he is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Isn't that interesting? As some say that God only selected a certain few. When the Bible says the whole world is what Jesus uh, paid the price for. That little while. Now Jesus knew that they were desirous to ask him. Did he hear them? He understood them. He understood and he could hear their thoughts. He knew everything. He knows everything. He said, Do you inquire among yourselves of, of that I said a little while, and ye shall not see me, and again a little while and ye shall see me? Verily, ver, verily, truly, truly, at our word amen is the same word as that one right there, okay? Verily, or truly, or amen, let it be so, or it is so. It is truth. I say unto you that ye shall weep and lament, but the world shall rejoice. Jesus going to the cross, and they're going to weep. It's going to be a terrible time for them. He says, ye shall be sorrow, sorrowful, but your sorrow shall be turned into joy. When they see him afterwards, and they understand, and then even when you leave this old life, Christian, you will understand, you'll be with him. They will, but the world shall rejoice. The world has nothing to do with Christ, has nothing to do with God. He tells them, he says, they do these things, that what they do with their persecutions and such, they do that because they don't know God, and they don't know me, he says. And that's why they do that. It's interesting to note that in the book of Revelation, chapter 11, uh, verses, uh, I think it's 7 to 10, it says, um, where you have the, um, will be the two witnesses upon the earth and such. They will be witnessing for God in that time. And then after, when God says, you know, he's there done that ministry, then they're going to be killed. And it says that the world 
they, everybody rejoiced and they sent gifts to each other. Sounds like Christmas time. Giving gifts to each other. They're so happy that these two people were dead. The ones that tormented them. ones that spoke up and said that they were wrong. Spoke up and told them about the gospel of Christ. Spoke up and told them about God and said that God's word, the Bible, is true and that you must heed it. And when they were dead, they just rejoiced. Hey, that's the same thing that's happened today. Jesus is warning them and telling them they, they don't want your company, okay? They don't want you near them. It's one of the things he stressed with them. He says, they will do these things to you. There will be problems and persecutions and rejection. Everybody wants to be accepted, don't they? Everybody wants to be accepted by others. It's very rarely, I think, you find somebody who just wants to live like for themselves, by themselves, and reminded about. We want to have uh, some appreciation from others. You see, we as human beings, we form groups, we form their societies, there's there's clubs, etc., etc. We kind of find comfort in being accepted by others. Uh, we, we find comfort in that. And yet there's a problem uh, for the disciples back then and now that when you believe in Jesus Christ, you are removed from the world. Removed from the world. You don't fit. You don't belong. They don't want you. They don't want to hear from you. But God does. But God does. God wants us. And he wants to hear from us. He wants to be in our lives and everything, everything, everything. He wants to be there with us and for us. The Spirit of God is there. Call upon Him. Look to Him. Realize that. We have that. Remember that word way back in verse 7 after He told them about the so your, your heart sorrowful. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, the Comforter will be there for you. The Comforter will be, be, be there for you. But there's no going back. <clears throat> there's no putting your hand to the plow and looking back. He says, you can't do that. You must continue on. You must press on, forgetting those things that are behind, pressing on. And uh, The Bible talks about the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. We're rejected by the world, rejected by those that don't understand, those that don't know God, that don't want to know God, that have no fear of God. But Ephesians chapter 1, verse 6 says, but we are accepted in the Beloved. Isn't that an amazing thing? Accepted in the Beloved. We have to stop there. Time's gone. Uh, I'd like you to read from verse 13 down to the end of the chapter. We'll try and cover that next week and finish up chapter 16 and then go into the uh, prayer of the Lord Jesus in chapter 17. Let's have a word of prayer ourselves. Father, again, we thank you for your word, Lord. Thank you for this time for us to look at some things in the Bible. And we just pray, Lord, speak to our hearts, help us, Lord. And we just thank you for your grace, thank you for your word, thank you for yourself, Lord. We thank you in Jesus Christ's name, amen. Thanks, folks, for your attention and for those that are watching. Thank you very much. Take care. We'll see you next time. Bye now.